Hey, what's going on everybody? What's cracking? Welcome back, back at it again. Got a special segment actually prepared for you today, but I did promise that I would cover one more football topic that I left off on my last segment. I promised uh, two teams that I'm thinking that's going to be on the plus next year, at least from their wins, losses, they're going to improve. Uh, let me jump into this real quick before we get into the main event. Starting out first, both these teams are actually going to be in the NFC, AFC right now, to be quite honest, outside of the Patriots, the Steelers. It's really slim pickings from there who's really going to be in contention. So we're going to stick to the you know heavily favored, dominant NFC. First team off the bat, I'm going out here with the, I think, last place in the division last year. They're certainly going to improve. That's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. John Lynch, he's been killing it since he got there. Dating back to the Garoppolo trade last year, magnificent. Arguably the best move of the offseason. Just got himself another solid draft. He's protecting the front line for his new franchise quarterback that he just inherited. I mean, San Francisco will be on the way up next year. Ruben Foster is even back in camp, reportedly, as of now, that they're only going to get tougher. Seattle in the division this year, they're weak. Uh, I'm telling you, I would look out for the Niners. Still going with the L.A. Rams, absolutely with the favorites. Too many good moves in the offseason, but Niners, absolutely team market down. They're going to improve next year. And my apologies, I'm not actually sure where the Niners finished in the division. I don't know if they were behind the Cardinals or not. But moving forward, the other team, dare, dare I say it, the Dallas Cowboys. I start with Des Bryant. We've seen him through the headlines this offseason. I'm just going to go ahead and flat out and say there's a reason why Des Bryant isn't getting picked up by anybody else. The man's past his prime. He's 30 years old. He's already a half step slower than what he should even be expected at his age. And for the kind of money that he's demanding, that was a headache Dallas was looking to get rid of. Kudos for them actually pulling the trigger on that one. But going back to the quarterback, every quarterback knows with all the decisions you have to make throughout a game, throughout a practice, that's a the last thing you need is a noise in your helmet and in your ear all the time. I can tell you to get a quarter to get, excuse me to get a wide receiver out of your ear that's going to be demanding the ball like he's Keyshawn out there 99% of the time. Best to get part ways with that now, honestly. It's only going to help Dak next year. And the moreover, when you get Zeke Elliott back next year, you already have still the best offensive line in football. You already run the highest percentage of run plays in the NFL. And Zeke Coming off the suspension in only 10 games last year, he still averaged 11 yards more than the leading rusher last year in Todd Gurley. Excuse me. So expect Dallas. They're going to be on the plus. I got heavy. Uh, I got hopes a little bit for Dallas. Definitely, I'm not taking them over the Eagles. Certainly not. But with the Giants, I don't know what else they all improved. And the Redskins, who are we kidding? No one's ever going to take them. So Dallas, I do expect to be in a wild card contention even though they're going to start the season off 0-1. Now that I've covered football, let me transition over the NBA playoffs. Holy smoke. I couldn't tell you the last time that we had both a Western and Eastern Conference Finals both locked at 2-2 apiece at one point. Massive best out of three series in them both. And speaking of which, we are actually looking forward to Game 6 in the Eastern Conference Finals. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. It was actually throwing a few ideas of what I should do on here, one being that when I should uh, call my rights and say when I'm wrong, <laughs> wouldn't be the first time I've put my foot in my mouth, but since we're on the subject and it was brought to my attention by this said person, 
I got a text Tuesday morning after game five of this series heading back, or excuse me, after game four, heading up to the garden for game five. And I quote, Cheddar, Cleveland won this series last night. (laughs) I had to do it, man. I'm sorry. So now this actually is a perfect transition over to a segment that I've been working on for a little bit here now. And it's going to be a spinoff on Game of Thrones. As I've mentioned previously, since Bleacher Report can do their own version of Game of Thrones, I'm going to do my own. I'm going to call this one, like we said, what did I decide on? We're going to call this Fame and Thrones. And episode one, here you go, everybody. Episode one, Enemy at the Gates. We begin our story in King's Landing, where a member of the King's Guard has a message for his king. My lord, what is our next move? Asked Sir Earl Smith to his king, a question out of both anxiety and guidance. As Sir Earl started to tremble, he lifts his head to look up the long steps leading up to the Iron Throne. The throne, that was once in mint condition just two summers prior, was all but catastrophically damaged at this point. He sees his fellow mates, Tristan formerly Sir T-Top and member of the King's Small Council, now personified to his new role as the janitor, as he personally stands and sacrifices to serve as the pillar of both not only the Cavalier defense, but the actual northwest corner foundation pillar of the Iron Throne. To the northeast as well stands another living, breathing pillar, Kevin, formerly Sir K-Love, Little Kev, and former Knight of the All-Stars. He now serves his new title as well, After suffering brain damage from the attack of the throne room in the rebellion, Kevin was casted out by his people of King's Landing and stripped of all titles. He now serves as the muscle for the king, a maneuvering post player that now stands wherever he is told by his king on command, known simply now as the Moving Mountain. After no acknowledgement, Sir Earl, as he begins to take a step forward, is instantly swept behind the leg and brought to his knee. He sees Sir Corver, fellow member of the King's Guard. As he stares back into Sir Earl's eyes, he mutters, Ahem! and warning to his fellow knight, You fool, this is not how you address your king. Stricken in fear, Sir Earl drops to both knees and redirects towards the Iron Throne. Forgive me, my king, as he clears his throat. King LeBron, Cersei James, first of his name, true king of the Iron Throne, protector of the realm, and lord of the six kingdoms, may he forever reign. Long live the king. Hashtag I promise. What is our next move, your grace? The king then began to raise his head his bald spot more noticeable now without the crown and patented headband, adjusts his cloak as the colors dance through the candlelight. It was made from the finest of lion. Still silent, the king strokes his beard. His three rings also catch the candlelight as they flow through his mane. Before the king could answer, Sir Earl muttered again, The Celtics, your grace, they're at the gates. What should we... And before he could finish, Sir Earl was quickly paused by the man standing at the king's feet. Silence! Have you have no sense of propriety... You were nothing but a shirtless man, Sir Earl, before your king spared your existence and allowed you to serve in his army. As hand of the king, I can have you stripped of all of your titles, Junior. Enraged, Sir Earl rose to his feet and shouted, Damn it, Lou, you know damn well my name is J.R. I swear by the old gods and the new, you call me Junior one more time. Enough! As the base structure of the Iron Throne began to weaken in fatigue, the king finally stood, and he addressed his bannermen with just one word witness. 
Circe, though no longer the true lord of the Six Kingdoms, was still widely acknowledged as the king throughout the majority of the realm. To his people, he was still viewed as the one who was chosen. Still the most powerful ruler in all of eastern Westeros, no house has been able to overthrow him. For seven straight summers, they've all suffered amongst themselves beneath the hammer of Akron. Out of fear alone, no one would ever question the king's claim, for they themselves have witnessed his true wrath when he doesn't get his way. Noticeable to all, the king's army actually has arrived significantly weaker to battle since the sacking of the Iron Throne, even more so since the beginning of the latest conquest to win back the crown. Though many deny the myths told about the king's revised royal army, whispers within King's Landing would tell you otherwise. Whispers that, after the rebellion and sacking of King's Landing, Circe, consumed in rage and thirst for revenge, vowed to stop at nothing to enhance his army and take back his crown. Less than a fortnight, the king called a small council meeting to discuss future battle plans. Within discussions with the Iron Bank and his round table, it was said that Sir Irving, Warden of the North, the Kingslayer, and the Crossover Crippler should be sacrificed in exchange for a stronger Iron Fleet. Prior to the decision, Sir Irving caught wind of this planned sacrifice. Infuriated, he proposed that he be exiled instead and serve the remainder of his days at the Wall. Some believe Sir Irving requested his exile to start his own legacy. Others believe he did so because he felt betrayed, betrayed by his house and betrayed by his king. Once knighted by his own hand, he could not believe that the king would be willing to sacrifice one of his own true brothers. Few have whispered, however, it was indeed the king himself that proposed this execution to begin with. A plan and process dating back to the ring ceremony and revealing of the 2016 house banner. Rumor has it, while the Cavalier army voted on the shot by the Kingslayer over the Night King to claim victory over the Iron Throne be sewn as the banner sigil of the 2016 Bannerman team, Cersei vetoed that said vote and claimed the block would instead be chosen. Disgusted by the thought that another could demerit his own glory, Cersei decided then a new regime was on the horizon. For so it was told, so shall it be written, the King's plan for the future. Sorry guys, it's hero time. And just like that, slowly the king developed his plan, ultimately leading up to the decision to cast wildfire over his own bannerman. Green flames scorched the skyline above the Colosseum of the queue as half the king's royal army was massacred. Any such talk of these rumors is just that, false whispers of unconfirmed ravens. Rumors spoken aloud would be considered treason. But as the Cavalier army set forth to begin its crusade, one could only question, what the hell happened to this army? The weapons have been depleted, and where is the Warden of the North? As mentioned, King Cersei once ruled over all of eastern Westeros. However, this implies only to the boundaries leading up to the Wall. The Wall, a place where only the exiled were sent to serve in the Night's Watch. Servers of the Night's Watch were there strictly for that protectors of the realm, the watchers of the night, against any of those who threatened beyond the wall. Beyond the wall lived the free folk, those who served no king. However, society and community was limited beyond the wall. The arctic climate alone was enough to freeze the common man. Most houses had succeeded from one another over time and were now merely clans, the most recognizable being the Raptors clan, formerly of House Toronto. They were a scrappy clan of misfits, mostly of demissive talent but they are a hungry bunch, with large numbers in their army. Confidently, while hearing of the sack of King's Landing, the Raptors marched their army south in an attempt to hopefully slay a wounded king. Unfortunately for the Raptors clan, 
their high volume count of tribesmen and savages were still no match for a merely wounded king. Blindly confident in their own self-proclaimed title meant of Kings of the North, the Raptors ultimately marched themselves to their own execution south of the Wall. In their surrender, the king vowed to honor his previous promise of keeping his army south of the Wall, but, in his words, knees had to be bent. The Raptors clan would now forever forwards be stripped of all titles and be renamed Barney and Friends of now formerly House Lebronto. But while the king's army cut through the baby dinosaurs like Valyrian steel, the king did not realize that other enemies would soon follow, one in particular that Cersei had overlooked all along. Beyond the wall amidst the clans awaited another army, one that was rumored to travel silently like an army of assassins. Led by a ruler of mysterious origin, only whispers of the king beyond the wall, a king who not only assembled a true army with a heavy militia, but resurrected the lone true house remaining north of the wall, the true kings of the north, the Celtics of House Boston. Off the shores of the south mudgate entrance of King's Landing, the waves of the narrow sea ripple off the beach, and in the distance you can hear the sounds of the drums, piercing through the otherwise peaceful silent night as a fleet of ships appears over the horizon and the sound of the drums only grows louder. Men to your feet. Abruptly, the Celtic's army of the lead ship rises. Their lord commander continues to speak. I've told you before, it doesn't matter how many wars you fought in. You know what wins wars? Young men. Beyond that beach, we know what lies ahead. So what if they have a more experienced army than ours? So what if their archers are better than ours? So what if their giants are larger than ours and the Mad King has only massacred all of those within his path over the better half of the last decade? I myself, questioned aloudly as your leader, widely told I should stay at home with my family and House Butler, with a you know less pressure and less stress, longer contingency plan and you know better life expectancy. As the Lord Commander about faced his soldiers, he noticed he was starting to lose focus and a bit of confidence in the eyes of his soldiers. Clearing his throat, he altered his delivery. Men, I'm going to level with you. Not only are we out of Bud Light and they have some, we really don't want a Game 7 with the Lion. But we are the House of the Unconquered, and we are past due, seizing a victory beyond the Garden. So again, gentlemen, I bid you, as he points to the shores of King's Landing, do you know what awaits beyond that beach? Immortality. Take it. It's yours. Hoist the colors. Immediately, the Celtics erupted in cry as the black flags were raised. You could only see the green sigil, the sign of the shamrock, flapping against the high winds as the now roaring battle cries and drums approached the shores of King's Landing. And from the royal balcony, King Cersei and his army could only hear the sounds of the Celtics as they had reached their gates. On the next Fame and Thrones, we travel west where House Rockets attempts to save their lands against the reigning lords of the Six Kingdoms and the Army of the Dead. As I conclude, thank you again everyone always for all the support and the continued love. Uh, episode 2, as I mentioned, coming again here soon. 
As I sign off, as always, it's not who we are underneath, but what we do that defines us. Heartbreaker out.